Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Soul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of the best little parenting show on the internet, the Post Daily Dose. Sitting here trying to uh, fix my microphone. I hope it works this time. Let's just see. Let's see what happens. If you guys can't hear me or if it sounds gurgly, let me know and I will unplug it. But uh, I'm coming on a little bit early today because I have a thing this evening at 6.30. So I thought I'd jump on and give you guys a little chit-chat and then get on out the door um, first, I hope you guys are having an amazing day, and I want to plug these books real quick, Brian's book from Fear to Love, that you can pick up at feartolovebook.com um, promotion. Of course, it's also on Amazon, and it's on our website, so that's awesome. We also have Brian's book, The Great Behavior Breakdown, and our newest edition, uh, this incredible workbook from Fear to Love, and uh, I will have it in-house They tell me the shipping date is April the 7th, so yay for that. Oh! And I don't have any right here in front of me, but I ordered some cute little stickers that say Choose Love, and I've been sending it out with all the book orders, and it has a little card that talks about our membership, and encourages people to take a picture with their sticker and tag us, so I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope people will play along, because I think that'd be really cool. So, yeah, anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, just about some parenting concepts in general. This is not necessarily about children who come from tough places, but just about parenting in general. Thanks, Jody! <laughs> uh, oh, yes, Brenda. I'm so glad to hear you say that. She said, I'm excited to dive into the workbook. I think it's going to help promote a ton of growth. I think it's going to be an excellent tool for couples or small groups to get together, or maybe you and a friend to be able to share from your heart and build a little, you know, maybe a little community of people walking this out together and digging into our own blueprints, digging into traumas that we may have experienced that we have not fully processed and that might be getting in the way of our relationships and our relationships with our children, and then also... It helps us dig into what our child's experiences have been and understanding how, how what, you know, what the vast impact is and the long-standing impact is. Brian says never, ever, ever underestimate the impact of trauma, and I think that is wise because it can sneak up in ways that sometimes we just never even expected. So uh, my topic tonight uh, has to do with boundaries, and first I want to say... Um, I have heard it said, controlling parents make for sneaky children, that when we are super rigid, when we're super rigid, usually right underneath super rigid, what's driving super rigid is fear. And sometimes that fear comes from, um, usually it comes from our own childhood experiences. It comes from our own experiences of how our parents handle situations. And I'm thinking, as I'm talking, I'm thinking more about older children. So I'm thinking more about tweens and teens as I'm talking right now. Because when we have little children, it's everything is teaching. Um, like everything is about teaching them about you and about relationship and about how to treat each other, how to treat yourself, how to treat your belongings. 
And so there's so much teaching that takes place when they're little. And then when they get older, that's where uh, people tend to get more controlling. I say that. That's just been my experience, but that may not be the truth. So mm, I'm not going to say that as a truth. I'm going to just say that's my experience. That then when kids get a little bit older and then teen years, that um, our fear, and sometimes it's fear um, that's more related to what our own experiences were as teenagers and how fearful and controlling our parents were because they were afraid that something bad was going to happen to us, mostly. And then there's also an element of they were afraid that we would not be uh, respectful to other authorities if we were disrespecting um, rules that were created. And so one thing that I have found to be really helpful, one, is I'm not real big on a whole bunch of rules. Like, in my household, literally, I don't, I don't even make rules. I can't think of any, like, specific rule that I've ever, like, said, okay, here are the rules of our house. Even though every family has its own culture. So the culture of your family includes a lot of unspoken rules. A lot of this is just how we do things. And so there might be reminders, like, there might be a reminder that says, um, I need you to take your dishes to the sink, or I need you to pick your clothes up, or things like that. But I've never been, because here's why, the more rules you have, <laughs> then the more rules you have to keep up with as a parent. So in order just to make your life a little more simple, it's okay not to have a whole bunch of rules, because then it's like every infringement on a rule, then you've got to make a decision about whether or not there's a consequence or a fee or a penalty or what it is we're going to do about this rule being broken. So um, I find it helpful to have like the fewer rules, the better. And sometimes, and it does, you know, it all depends on your children. So you know, just take this and let it percolate. But you know, even even when we operated our group home in Virginia, and this was teenage boys who had lengthy histories, like since they were in since they were small children, they had been in foster care, and then they had been in multiple, multiple, multiple residential treatment centers. We didn't have like a bunch of rules. Um, we had some pretty common, like just the common standard things, like you respect other people's property and you don't steal from each other and. Um, if you leave, let us know where you're going and when you're going to come back, if you can, because a lot of times those things happen when people are really stressed out and overwhelmed. So we just didn't have, there weren't like a ton of rules. Um, we tried to keep it all really, really simple because the more rules you have, the more you have to keep up with as a parent. Um, and I've also um, had several friends verify that very controlling parents, very hyper-controlling parents who were hyper-punitive, uh, that what they felt that did for them is that it created a lot of secrets and it created a lot of sneaking. And so it wasn't that they followed the rules, it's just they didn't tell their parents what they were doing. And honestly, I don't want that. I don't want that in my household. I don't want secrets and I don't want people sneaking around. I would just assume no so that I can be a person who provides guidance. So 
Um, that's why I'm not like a super big keep lots of rules. Now, boundaries. Boundaries and rules are different. Boundaries have more to do, we think that boundaries have to do with telling somebody else what they will and will not do, but that's not true. What boundaries are about is you. Boundaries are about your own space or your own, you know, doing this or doing that for somebody else. And so it's one of the ways to know if you are exceeding your boundaries or if you are breaking your own boundary has to do with what your body feels like when you say yes or no to something. And if you get that feeling, that anxiety feeling, that stress feeling, that feeling in the pit of your stomach, that is probably an indicator that you may have said yes when you should have said no because now you've got anxiety connected to this situation or you have resentment connected to the situation because you said yes when something inside of you was telling you that you really wanted to say no. Sometimes we as adults do that because we don't have a very strong sense of ourselves. Sometimes we violate our own boundaries and then we resent the person who's doing the whatever that we gave them permission to do. So, um, like here's an example. I'm just going to tell a couple of stories. I think it'll help bring it home. Um, when my son got to be older, he was in his late teens and 20s, and he would make plans. He would tell me he was going to come to my house. I'm going to come visit you on Sunday, Mom. going to come visit you on Sunday, Mom. I can't wait. Miss you. Going to come visit on Sunday, Ma. And so here I'm looking forward. And, you know, the first couple of times that he was going to come visit on Sunday, Ma, I planned my day around it. I planned my day around the fact that my son was going to come by and he was going to see me. I bought groceries. I cooked dinner. I was all ready for my son to come visit. And he didn't show up. He just didn't show up. He was a no-call, no-show. I did not like that very much. <laughs> and at first, I took it personal. And at first, I had resentment towards him for doing that. The reality is that we were out of alignment. We were out of understanding. And once I got that understanding of him and beginning to understand him differently as being a person in their late teens and 20s, and I realized that this was not intentional. It was not intentional that his brain <clears throat> is wired in a way that it's very hard for him to focus on anything besides what is right in front of him in the moment. And he gets completely caught up in what's right in front of him in the moment. And it took time and maturation for him to be able to do things like keep a work schedule because his brain was so hijacked, that hijacked brain, that prefrontal cortex that's been, uh, that's been eroded due to trauma. And then we also have that maturation where we have to finish off the development of the brain. And so now he's in his late 20s. I hear from him all the time. I hear from him. We talk all the time. We message all the time. So here was my solution. My solution to the next time he said, Ma, I'm going to come visit you. I said, yeah, yeah, I believe it when I see it. And I laughed because now I realize. 
It's not on purpose. I can joke about it. He can joke about it. We can laugh at ourselves. And sometimes when we are able to take things that used to really piss us off or get under our nerves or under our skin, when we can somehow flip the script because now we understand it's not personal, it's not about us, it's about a struggle they're experiencing that's separate from us, that has nothing at all to do with us, when we can inject a little bit of humor, not only does that help the situation be better, but it actually gives us a better avenue to be able to address it and talk about it because all the pressure and all the pricklies have been removed. And now it's like, honey, I understand you. I get it. I am understanding you better than I ever did. And so, yeah, I believe it when I see it. And then I laugh. He'd be like, maybe my favorite, maybe some pork chops, maybe some chicken enchiladas. And I just laugh and I say, yeah, when you get here, I'll send you to the store and you can buy all the groceries and then we will cook dinner together. And we will. And I will do all of that. But I'm not going to put myself through all of that anxiety and preparation and blah, da, 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 and then feel like I've been disrespected when that's not his intention. His intention, the outcome, yes, was a, a, an experience of disrespect and him doing something that is easy to be perceived as being disrespectful. But really what it was is immaturity and a hijacked brain. It's very different, isn't it? Around that same time, I can remember he would send me a text. Like I can remember, uh, like, can you give me money for? Can you give me money for? And uh, I had to come up with what my boundaries were for helping him financially. And then I had to stick with him, which meant I had a certain amount of money that I would give him each month because he was still struggling to figure out, you know, kids in their 20s, many of them still need a lot of help. They need a lot of guidance. But the guidance is different because it tends to be a little more from a distance. They may still need some financial support because they don't have jobs that help that, that they can afford to have an apartment and take care of a car and put gas in their car and no insurance and everything, you know, all the expenses of life. They just can't afford it yet. And so I had to have a set amount in my mind that I was willing to give him each month to help support him. And I talked to him about it and we had to experiment. Like at one point I gave him the total amount at the beginning of the month. And then I found out that he could not manage that amount of money for the entire month. So I backed it off to every two weeks. And then I realized he wasn't able, you know, he did that for a little bit. He was able to do it for a month or two. And then it all the wheels came off the wagon. So then I had to back it off to each week. And so that became the boundary. And if he messaged to say, can I have more money? If he still had more money in his, Give me, you know, well, I'm going to help them with account. Then I could make that decision and we could have that conversation. But I can't tell you how many times I would get a text. And I would reply with this great big long, I would write this whole long text about all this stuff to teach, right? And all this, you need to manage your money. All this, you may have to wait. You may have to buy a cheaper pair of tennis shoes. Or blah, blah, you know. All to stop and go, this is a yes or no question. Delete. Answer the question. Yes or no. That is it. So then I can maintain my boundaries. All that talk is almost like the message that I had inside my body is an old tape of something I grew up with. And that old tape is something along the lines of don't ask. 
And yet, we also have closed mouths don't get fed. Two very different life philosophies, right? So I wanted him to be able to ask. Sometimes the answer might be yes, and sometimes the answer might be no. There are a lot of things that would depend on what that answer would be, but I have to know what my boundaries are stepping into it. And sometimes you get asked things that you're not even prepared for. Like you didn't see that question coming. You didn't see that request coming. And it's okay to say, I need to think about it. Let me sleep on it. Uh, I want to talk with my parents. Or let me talk to your dad. Or let me, whoever I need to talk to, I need to consult with some people to decide um, what I want to do about that. And that's okay. It's okay to say, I need to stop and think about that. I'm not real sure what my answer is. The thing is, <clears throat> boundaries aren't necessarily just about your children, but it can be about your friends. It could be about your spouses. It could, if you're dating, good God Almighty, you got to know what your boundaries are in the dating world for real. So when we are setting boundaries and we're standing with our boundaries and we're just doing it in that consistent, loving way, like no, and the answer is no, and no is the answer. Um, when we just are able to do that consistently, it also models for our older children because they're going to need to have good boundaries when they're out there in the world too. So when you know your boundaries and you set them clearly and you stand by them lovingly, and then it also teaches your children how to have healthy boundaries as well, so that we don't find ourselves doing things that have resentment attached to it. So I hope there's something helpful in that to you guys, some of those little stories. I'd love to hear stories from you guys, too. One of these days, we're going to figure out how to pull people up on the screen so we can talk together. Um, I do want to read the comments. Rebecca says, stating our boundaries is so healthy, but most of us were never shown how to do this respectfully or do our boundaries. Yes, can lead to so much resentment. I have a I have big work to, and so much work to do around this, but it's tough work. The first step is is just pausing long enough. To, you know, sometimes we say no without even thinking about the answer. I have a mom who was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize my kids asked something, and I just automatically say no. And really, I think in parenting, yes, saying yes as often as you possibly can is a wonderful way to have a mindset, to be able to be like, you know what, I really want to say yes to my kids as absolutely as often as I can, especially when they're little and we're building relationship. And it, I don't mean yes about buying stuff. I mean yes about my time, my attention, playing together, making a snack together. Yes, we can go outside and pick flowers. Yes, we can go collect rocks today by the river. Yes, we can. I want to be able to say yes as much as possible. So that way when I do say no, the no has a different meaning. If I say no to everything, then no is just, it's that we start sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. They don't even hear. So I like the idea of being able to say yes as much as possible. Um, Rebecca says, brilliant. It's not personal. Inject the humor. Yeah, we laugh at ourselves. You know, even laugh at our own selves. Like, my answer is no, but my answer is no because I'm just tired. And I'm old and, what, you know, whatever. I need a foot rub or, you know, whatever way. And I'll tell you, when, our, when your kids get to the point where they can laugh at themselves too, 
Like, I can't believe I flipped my lid over that. Remember last year when I got so mad about whatever? And they're able to laugh at themselves and see how they've grown and developed and matured. God, I love that. I love that. Makes me think of one of my, I, I have almost every, almost everybody that was in our care when we had the group homes and therapeutic foster homes in Virginia, almost all of those kids are friends of mine on Facebook. And there's one uh, young lady I'm thinking of right now. And I can remember she came in and flopped on the couch at our house in Virginia one day. We're just hanging out. We're just talking. I think I was probably frying some, some chicken or something. And somehow something came up. And she started talking about how she was ready to fight this girl. Like she was like, oh, remember how mad I was, Miss Christy? I was so mad. I was ready to fight her. And everybody was holding her back. And remember that? And remember that? And they were just laughing about it. And we're like, oh, my God. Remember how crazy that was? Everybody was so crazy and so flipped out. Oh, I am so glad you didn't fight that girl like that because I did not want to have to come up and get you out of jail. Because you know what? I don't got bail money. <laughs> Being able to have those conversations when we can look back at things that were so, you know, amped up and emotional. Being able to look back and laugh at ourselves and how stupid things have got us mad or, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Those are signs that real healing is taking place. So I hope you can find humor in Stupid stuff you've done in the past because we've all done stupid stuff. <laughs> Don't take it all so seriously. Be able to inject humor wherever you can and say yes whenever possible. If you've not already done so today, press pause. Just press pause on it. Press pause on all of it. All the stuff that's got you stressed out, that's got you overwhelmed, that's got your brain racing, that's got you fatigued. Got your shoulders aching, just push pause on all of it. And go take a break. Give yourself five, ten, fifteen minutes, whatever you can give yourself as long as your kids are safe. And if you've not already done so, after you give yourself enough time, go spend time with your babies. Let the love you have for them shine from your eyes. Let them feel it from your body. Their favorite language is play. If they're older, it might be windshield time. It might be, hun, let's go take a drive. Oh, somebody said, I am grumpy bum. Oh, I know there's grumpy bum days. Then maybe you just need to uh, lay in bed with your weighted blanket and take a little rest. Just tell everybody, I'm grumpy today. I don't really know why I'm grumpy, but I am feeling grumpy grumpy. So give me a little space because everybody has grumpy days. Everybody does. Give yourself grace and space. And remember, at any given moment, we can all act out of our blueprints of stress, fear, overwhelm. Or we can take one to two to three deep breaths. Or ten. Or a 30-minute nap. <laughs> and we can choose love. Much love to you guys. I'll be a blessed evening, and we will see you all tomorrow.